I'm Matthew Vizhak, and basically, I play video games as a hobby. It's been a hobby that I've had since a young age, and currently, I'm not sure if I would consider myself a gamer, but I certainly do play my share of video games, and I find my niche in completionist games and trying to find every single thing and up the challenge of the standard game to make it interesting. Like I'll try to find some different goal off the beaten path and try to pursue that. I originally created my YouTube channel just to kind of share my accomplishments and to kind of make a forum. Some In some videos, people will communicate with me and maybe propose a different challenge or a way to make the game harder. I started to become a com part of a community to um, write different guides on different games. I have a couple guides that I'm writing now. I mainly look for older games that aren't necessarily represented as much as the newer games. So kind of the hidden gems off the beaten path or I'll submit certain things to the community. I find that it's it's a very vibrant community. So you really have to have your your you know eyes dotted and T's crossed whenever you talk to them because you're dealing with experts. You're dealing with people that have actually hacked the game, you know, got the guts of the ROM to support their claims. So it's more than just simply going out there and you know spitting whatever knowledge that you want. You have to make sure that you back up your claim otherwise people will you know call you on it it's time for an adventure in the worlds of user experience and game design on season three of the design thinking games podcast Join old-school UXers and aspiring game designers Michael Schofield, Tim Broadwater, and an array of quirky characters from pixelated heroes to mischievous NPCs in search of the ultimate player experience. Design thinking is a process that is applied to different types of games in this podcast. If you're wondering whether your favorite games have already come up, you can listen through the backlog at designthinkinggames.com. Now, Rapid Protobot, fire the design thinking laser. This is amazing. So there's, and you just are drawn to do this. Like you just want to write oh, yes. guides. You want to challenge yourself. Well, once you, once you go through a game and I'm not going to say become an expert at it, but you kind of master the game itself. You get all the nitty gritty details and you start looking into some guides that people have written and you find that there are pieces left out or you found a different strategy that works better against the boss. I, I'm inclined to share it with the community. And now I have this forum growing up you would have to just write on a piece of paper and have your own little briefcase of maps and all that i mean it sounds a little obsessive but we did not have all this knowledge at our hands whenever i started this way back in the 90s yeah so what is i would say you know you have a lot of videos um thousands of subscribers and then you have uh tons of views i would say what is like the most what would you say of any of the videos on your youtube is the most is the most accomplished or that you're most proud of 
Um, I kind of like my no death long plays. Um, I'm particularly happy with the Final Fantasy solo character quest that I've completed. In particular, the White Mage, which you're really relying on the luck of the game to make happen. Now, this is like to, to, for people who most people probably know what Final Fantasy is, but what mm-hmm. is it? Uh, what is this no death run you're talking about? Well, it's it's just a solo character run, to where um, usually you're able to pick a a party of four characters to walk through the game. Mm-hmm. And here I had chose to just pick one single character, no supporting party members, and take him throughout the entire game and through the ending without upgrading his class. There's an option where you can upgrade the class to turn your fighter into a warrior. I chose to forego that just to make it as difficult as possible. And this is a non-stop playthrough. Um, I just record the ending because if, if I did the whole entire thing, people would be probably bored with uh, yeah. the, the grinding. And in some cases, like the thief, mm-hmm. you had to kind of really farm the stats from the level up. If you didn't get that particular random level on those harder to, you know, harder characters to level up, then you would have to reset the console and try again. So how many how many game guides or facts or wikis or walkthroughs um, have you made and how many challenges do you think you've done and uh, do you know oh um, as far as guides I've uh, drawn a bunch of maps for uh, Breath of Fire 4 that was the best because you're talking about a game that has a three point perspective and a rotating camera so there's no way to really screen grab it unless you want to keep the camera situated but with the angles I found it was easier just to hand draw these Yeah. but to answer your question I have I think 20 or so um, game maps up there oh, wow. mainly for the last ninja and um Breath of Fire 4, and I have a couple of side quest guides for Breath of Fire 4 and Simon's Quest. That was actually the first one I made. Uh, was it? Simon's Quest? Yep. When did you make it? Um, when did I make it? Or? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I would say maybe a good four or five years ago. Yeah, I love Simon's Quest. I always remember as being like I'd be in middle school or high school at a friend's house in the weekend, and we'd be up like late, like two in the morning, trying to figure out like, what do we do? How do we fix mm-hmm. this riddle? And like, what's in this mansion? <laughs> and like, and it was always just like, it, it was like one of the ones to where you needed to have um, some type of guide or something that says, no, you need this object, and then you hold that object over at this place, or then you have to go here. And yeah, it's kind of hard to. <laughs> I guess ever since there's been games, there's been game guides, right? Oh, yes. And what drew me to that one was the fact that, um, if you remember right, there was a weird leveling up mechanic to where after a certain level, only certain enemies would give you experience to the next level. Oh, and trying in trying to locate where those were. So I painstakingly went through to find out what enemies level up. Oh wow. And I even took it to the extreme of saying, okay, you could hit an enemy this many times with the leather whip, this many times with the chain whip, mm. in order to figure out, you know, how many 
what I guess uh, pseudo hit point value that they had. Oh wow, that's crazy. The weird thing, uh, most people assume it it ramped up in binary, but I was able to find out through proof that some of the bosses do not have the amount of hits. I think it was 256 they were saying that they had and in reality i think it truncated at 255 i would have to look to get the exact number but it was something that all the guides seemed to have gotten wrong and i was just amazed to learn wow if you go through this insanity you can actually get to the bottom of it this is cool and so the best way for if people want to like get in contact with you is that through like your website or through the YouTube or uh, probably for through the YouTube's a little bit better. Um, I used to have a forum through the website, but that was before I knew how to really protect myself against spam, and I just kind of put out the email in plain text, and obviously that didn't go well. <laughs> for anyone that enjoys. <laughs> any type of video game challenges long plays um i don't i do not put narr- my own narration on it um that's gotten me i guess in the trouble with some copyright from time to time but what are you going to do but i would encourage them to go ahead and check out my youtube channel um that's mev v is in victor 1978 you'll find me on there all right thanks for being on the show no problem thank you for having me The Thief is a Dungeons & Dragons actual play with just one player, CC Way. Getting more information, I think, is pretty safe. And I can't let Osment rot. And a full cast of NPCs, supported with soundscapes. This isn't some pickpocket or killer or slumlord. These are important people. These are the kinds of people who, if they get your name, you cannot evade. The original world is grim, and it is unlikely the thief will survive. Created by Michael Schofield. Listen for The Thief, an audio drama. Anywhere you find podcasts and on the web at thiefpodcast.com. thoughts about the season like what we did and accomplished for season three man so this season is um we've talked a lot about it about this kind of like offline um but this is uh hands down our most professional season yet it's my favorite season to work on it's most it's my um uh, it's funny because uh, I think it demonstrates and this is this is a UX principle but it just demonstrates that it doesn't really matter how 
long your product has been around, it evolves and takes shape. And I, I kind of feel like it, it's taken us three seasons to figure out what design thinking games feels like in seasons four, five, and six. And so um, to that yeah, end, we began, and we've joked about this, like how we were going to be not an interview podcast. And then we just did an entire season of interview podcasts. But those interview podcasts, those interviews that we ran um, were um, – like super fascinatings, good. they were super good, man. And and I the, the collective like umbrella feeling like I get a, I get from this. And we talked to different people at all different stages. I've been watching I mean, you and I have been watching Dice Invasion with like like as fans, but also in awe of her marketing and her design. And then you have folks like Connor Wake or Dan Scalise who have produced and published. Um, you have folks. Um, just kind of like across the gamut and you know kind of a fun story is going to be on like shells you know um and that's also fascinating to watch but my big lesson is that hey um we could make a game you could make a game it's not that you can make a podcast you can make a game you could run a conference we know people it feels empowering yeah yeah. it feels fucking empowering yeah and and, and it was really cool to see like hey uh i do all this um and i just a forest gummed my way into it and i and you know that i forest gummed my way into adulthood you know and it's just one of those things that you you look at people who have produced something that's like um really high fidelity whether it's a video game or like a really dope like the, the, the assets of like a really dope board game something like gloomhaven that's just kind of like oh like bananas to just like hold and and um yeah and that's just that all starts with just like you know a handful of people sometimes just one person like saying i'm gonna make this thing i agree my lesson this season is like um year one was very much about process and working with each other and seeing trying a lot of different things and two was even more trying and different stuff and then realizing hey we don't have to stick to this long podcast format or schedule we can do short we can do long whatever and then in three I agree. Like, I feel like we've just like, let's have fun with it. Let's do a chat drama. Let's, let's do some interviews, but then like, let's also, um, focus. Like, I love the ad swapping, like some of the cool stuff from like, um, ghost wax. And then, uh, um, Critically stupid. There's a hilarious, right? Yeah, I mean, it's some really good like cross ad. So I, I think it's. I'm very happy with how this season turned out, and um, I think going forward, it may be even smaller, but more yeah. of a punch. And I think that's this season. We went smaller, but had more fidelity, more entertainment, more cool stuff, and just put together in a cool way. You know. Well, we went smaller, but I think we actually produced more content than ever yeah. in terms of like length variety of content production of content because we went modular yeah yeah exactly and then i think i think the other big takeaway is like um design thinking games is an act of networking right um i I feel closer 
and more a part of even if i could like i even like updated my blue sky profile to say armchair game designer you know i mean remember how design thinking games started and i hope this stays in for our listeners we were like hey we 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 don't have like game we don't have like the the credibility of like an ign behind us or whatever to say like oh we are awesome game reviewers but what we do have is the credibility of being ux and so we we're like you know you know who plays games uxers well yeah. now that like design thinking daddies are a thing like i think you know who you know who loves game design bears <laughs> you know? hey, is design so. thinking daddies a thing is that a thing? No, like a real thing? We, we no, it's us. We're, we're the design we're thinking the, guys. Okay, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> this is like it's not really a. I just kind of like season two. We'll have an actual this. play podcast. White Wolf, World of Darkness, uh, called Design Thinking Daddies. I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> this is our chat GPD for next I, year. Mike, Michael, the actual design thinking Dilf, and me, the the gay daddy bear or muscle daddy bear or whatever. <laughs> I love. It. Yeah, uh, and, and together we make design thinking daddies like the like. Look, like you know when you and I were in like at like packs unplugged. This is this is now like hey I people I hope you enjoyed our like eight or nine episodes of interviews and an audio drama, but this is back to basics here. So when we were in Philadelphia, we basically realized that Tim is like literally like two feet taller than me, but we're basically the same person. If you ever saw like uh, like twins with uh, Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito or whatever, this is basically us. And like you know. Night, like my 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 wife calls me little bear for a reason, you know. So like I I've got it. I've got the broad shoulders. So the design thinking daddies, I think, is our next marketing ploy. <laughs> yeah, either a chat GPT drama, another spinoff podcast, or actual play podcast, which I've been actually increasingly since Dungeons and Drag Queens and Real Housewives of Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeons and Daddies, yeah. design thinking daddies being or even a game studio design thinking daddy's games or something uh whatever man we, know. we know that we know nick fink plays you at go plays Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> look man i mean like i think the criteria <laughs> is clear <laughs> right <laughs> it's like what are we comfortable sharing about games i feel like we learned from our guests in the past that you kind of want to have especially connor um and Breeze and some other guests who's like, you need to kind of have a couple games that you're developing, like a library that you're kind of working on, like products. So think of those like small products. I would say that comfortably we have three or four games between the two of us, some combined, some individual. I'm actually pretty happy, pretty comfortable to start sharing, you know, like unless, unless I, like I, I think we have the benefit of being in like, um, whatever the bubble is of not being popular enough that no one's going to really come in and like steal our, uh, steal our potatoes. Um, exactly. You know, we are a fan of horror and you know what? Like to me, this feels like the kind of game like that, the Boulay brothers and Dragula would like get behind, you yeah. know? So, so, so we're making a vampire game and kind of like an Eldritch librarian game that, um, that both have very different play styles and, um, 
and one we've play tested uh, a few times at a conference um, and we have a tabletop a virtual tabletop version of it that we're going to go back into play testing we've actually iterated on that one the most um, and the yeah. other but the this is the kind well, of a thing. A lot of them have been playtested. Like two of them have been playtested at decent yeah. So Now, what I really love about what Connor said is like, hey, you will get to this point with a game and just put it in the bucket. And at some point you'll come yeah. back to it or or whatever. But um, but again, these are these are games that we're dovetailing deeply into kind of like our, our horror fandom. Um, I think I can, I, I would support what you say to where these four, even if they're playtested a lot, playtested a decent amount, been play tested with game developers um, yeah. and and then the individual games that we think maybe have some feels that it still plugs into this maybe just dark horror gothic punk uh, but uh, what it is, yeah. uh, feel of <laughs> I'm sorry I now cannot get it out of my brain design thinking daddy's games <laughs> it's like stuck yeah, in my brain kind of perfect. even though those are in a prototyping stage I feel like we feel like dude there's some there's some stuff here I'm very positive about it and I think what we can speak to is uh, the plan is to you know kind of play test some of these at some cons and get them maybe do remote play testing refine them first do some digital play testing or doing local with your friends and family because it sometimes means easier to invite friends over and just do it that way as opposed to yeah. recruiting people online to do digital play tests but I think we're actually just going to do it all it's going to be a matter of necessity and then try to get stuff at cons soon and the goal being to like dude just get to that first published game because I feel like once you do it you know it's possible and then and yeah already we're improving our processes so yeah well and one thing i might just address is like well what, what does this have to do with like design thinking games like the podcast and all that it's like well i think what we've what we have emerged from is um the podcast is providing um just basically like a like a a season of research that we are sharing with all of you. We learned, I think, a ton. I mean, we even before we had him on the podcast, you know, we've learned a ton from like Dan Scalise and Connor Wake, um, a ton from like Dice Invasion, just watching her process. The kind of a fun story team are like fascinating to watch. Yeah. Um, like all, all of these folks have you know like not in the spirit of like us having actually consulted with them or not but have by by talking to them have inspired changes to our process given us hope where we've needed hope and you know gave us some like ideas that now what we're going to do is basically a season of the show um and then we're going to do a season of game design and yeah. whether or not a game merges and whole from that season i don't think our library will have advanced yeah we're yeah exactly we're dedicating the time and then we'll return to a season to kind of you know we're going to consume and then we're going to produce consume yeah. create and this is kind of like the cycle of what we're what we're doing here i think this is the way <laughs> this is the way What's going on, everybody? My name is Alex. And my name is Diana. And we are two-fifths of Critically Stupid, a comedy Dungeons & Dragons podcast with new episodes every Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. If I had to pick, I'd probably say my favorite NPC in the show is 
Sean the gorilla, uh, who I decided in the moment wears pants, a waistcoat, and uh, spectacles. Diana, who's your favorite NPC in the show? Uh, my favorite character is uh, Captain Davil Starsong because in my head, y'all, he's fine AF and makes me feel a certain way. If you'd like to experience Diana red-faced and sweaty in real time, catch us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you enjoy that sweet, sweet content. You can catch updates on our Twitter, at CritStupid. Come watch me glisten. I love that this is going to be audio only, so listener, you're going to have to take my word on it. She's real good looking. <laughs> <laughs> We had a season challenge for Outlast Trials. We both got it. It's an online version of Outlast. It's kind of the fourth game in the series. I logged over 20-some hours into it and got to the point to where it's like, I think I'm good with this game. I've played it enough to where... Uh, uh, but it's also like not in full release, my understanding. It's a test or mm -hmm. beta or something because at a certain point, the four or five... There's like three levels, four or five for each level. But then at some point, it just loops and repeats, and you're just doing the same things with added difficulty. And then they get in the Omega Trials or the X Trials, it, it's the same quest again with even more difficulty. Um, That's right. Yeah, it's it, it's technically in... No, it's technically in like early access when you look at Steam at the moment. We're we're recording this mid July. Yeah, so I will say enough to where I'm keeping my eye on it. I love the game solo or with other players. I'm waiting, probably like most people, to be like, good, great, love to play it. Waiting for more levels to drop, more story to drop. You know. Yeah, like so. So kind of, let's talk, kind of like talk like a, about our experience. So the the TLTR of Outlast Trials at the um, and we've we did this in episode one of the season. But the TLDR is that it is a prequel to the Outlast games, which were kind of phenomenal because their gameplay was basically that you as an investigator could not fight back you yeah. snuck around you had a little video uh, camcorder with limited batteries and you were in an asylum or like you know things like this and you had to hide and the hiding in the dark yeah. was intense especially when you run out of batteries yeah well and all less trials is in the same vein where like you and now like uh, up to like three others i think it's like a four a four-party cap player, yeah and i never yeah. had a problem finding a game i always went yeah. on a search for party and i always got into a group so there's yeah. which tells me that's a decent player base you know i think it's a great player base um the the reddit is actually pretty alive which is which is pretty nice. cool and the whole idea is like you you as a team have to complete these like level challenges that are set in the outlast world um you don't want to get caught by the bad guys who are kind of lurking around being crazy um yeah. you you sneak you hide and then you have like some like class-based like powers uh, that are limited use that lets you escape and do other stuff i don't know which one you went for but i went health and maxed out health yeah so you you got way further than i did so so with that being like the tldr your review is pretty positive like this is like up this is up your alley right because you you play a lot of um Dead by Daylight, yeah. The stickler stuff is like what I mentioned, which is basically with it being an early access, which is like 
really only two, three killers. Crazy character. I love the ones they have. Yeah. Mother Gooseberry with the puppet yeah. that's a doctor. It has a drill in it. And then the crazy electro cop and who shocks electro himself <laughs> and the groin and like crazy. And then the kids and all this. I love it. Yeah. I just want more. I just want more. And so, and that's just really loved early access. Maxed out my health to where I could heal myself. It recharges quickly. I heal my whole party and it creates a stun field. So if yeah. I'm ever like a boss is on me or about to get me, not a boss, but one of the killers, I can hit it and it heals me as well as stuns them and lets me get away. So very positive reaction to it. What about you? Yeah. the I, I enjoyed my experiences with you and the couple of strangers. So like, what I here here are my here are my positive things like um, the gameplay is like a lot of fun um, the 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 levels and like the the world let's call it world design or whatever is just like it's so good it's so batshit and like it disturbing um, my favorite is the one where the um, I don't know like uh, you have to like save the kids like save like save the kids in the orphanage or whatever and I love that because specifically there's like a scene where they're like jukebox dancing around like some dude who's crucified that you have to like saw in half and and it's just so oh my god dude it is like Outlast Bananas yeah it's it's the, the story is good the, I think the classes are kind of fun the one I chose was um, like, I, like I wanted to be a sneaker and a rogue so I have the one that lets me kind of like see through walls right a little bit um oh, but i, I found that that's a thing yeah well like from what i understand from like reddit is like that's the lamest class my big thing is that um i hey, what was your negatives my, my chief negative is that i don't love playing with strangers so i actually thought the lobby was really quite good it just throws you in there you could decorate your room you could like and you could do that but like i had like some sort of thing and i don't know how you design for it and maybe you do um where like unless i like was in a party with folks like i i wouldn't do it and so i played a lot on my own and playing yeah. solo is too long of a time commitment for me for the kind of player time that I have because those levels are, are super long. I played a bunch of solo. It's usually 45 minutes to a 50 minutes to get through each level, I think. Once I learned how to play, like when I was learning, I died all the sure. time. But once sure. I'm like, okay, this is the thing. I follow the chords. I know what I do. I need to keep hitting this button so I can see the active quest could do each level with solo within 40 50 minutes before that though yeah you're talking like oh shit it took me two hours to get through this thing so but i didn't know what i was doing you know and, and that's where i think i am i don't think i'm like super good the other thing is like i play the game like um my favorite like first person sneakers like the original thief and its remake and dishonored and stuff where i'm trying to ghost it right and like uh, yeah. and so i sneak from shadow to shadow and so with my particular like gameplay and i guess like my aversion to like my, my kind of like stranger danger yeah. um like i um like for me it was never i always I always had more anxiety like playing the game than not and not from the game itself it's from like the act of like oh like i want to party but like i don't really know anyone who's playing and so, and so yeah. that was my big which i found was an interesting like social commentary on me but i logged you logged some 20 hours i think i logged about like 10 hours like playing 10 to 15 hours um and it's totally awesome and it's definitely somebody's cup of tea but it's not mine it's not like I it, it's funny i love playing with strangers and like shooters like how that loose or whatever but like there's something about like this yeah. particular 
that um that yeah i don't know that's interesting because yeah weird, i've huh? played as you know i play dbd as i play i play alien fire team elites i played predator hunting grounds i've played this i played friday the 13th so i play a lot of online mobas games that are like this that are horror themed right or even asynchronous yeah. horror um so i just think it, i um i get it's we're in software. I guess it's kind of hard to think about, like, why don't you have more feature releases? Where's the content? Like, come on, come on. And you're like, bitch, we just got it out the door. You got to give us a second. There's only 10 devs on our team or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what was mine. Loved everything else about it, though. As the listeners may know, last year, you know, for, we were doing a Patreon, and if you supported us on Patreon, you got the episodes ad-free and early, which was cool. Anyone who's been like listening with us from season one and who will enjoy season three know that we are iterating a lot. And one of the big things we're iterating on is like what we're spending time on. There's probably like a whole interesting episode or like side thing about like why we chose to back off Patreon, but we backed off Patreon. We We'd love it if people would donate to us. Please head over there and support us if you like. We're going to put some content and stuff there, but it's not going to be exclusive. things we always talk about is game of the year um we have kind of a low which makes me wonder total tangent there has to be a board game of the year right because i know that there's a ttrpg of the year because starfinder went won it its first year it came out so we should probably expand this going forward to where it's like not just best video game of the year but then also board Mm. game and ttrpg um but speaking to video games, the big ones that I'm aware of, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Final Fantasy 16, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, um, Hogwarts Legacy. Um, those are the ones that I, Diablo 4, those are the ones that are the big ones that I see. Do you have any thoughts or, and, and stuff hasn't, there still could be stuff that comes out. Yeah, I I find that it's it's funny. Like I was looking at this list, so so I've actually played. Here's here's what I've played um, that are that's actually that's actually finding that's actually on these lists that I'm kind of like surprised of. So I haven't played any of the ones that you're that like the world has been placing. I've been I've been playing. I've been kind of going back into my library, but that's mm-hmm. not totally true. So. So of the ones that I'm seeing, I'm just right now I'm looking at IGN's best reviewed games of 2023 as like kind of like a list. And I've played a lot of these. Just I've never heard of any of them in contention for game of the year. It is very much a year of sequels and uh, remakes. Sequels, Street Fighter Six, Legend of Zelda, Resident Evil 4. I've heard nothing but good stuff. Everyone's like, if you don't play any Resident Evil remake, play Resident Evil 4. I want to play 4. Yeah, so 
so I was I was just confirming that System Shock was originally made. Now this is back in like the late '90s, I think, by Looking Glass Studios, and Looking Glass Studios is my favorite game developer of all mm-hmm. time because they made Thief, um, Thief: The Dark Project, Thief: uh, Metal Age, Thief Three, you know, and and things like that before they were able to dissolve. So I played System Shock, and it was it's truly like a it's not a remaster; it is a a remake like all like all new graphics you know like they fixed a lot of the voice acting and it was like phenomenal yeah if there's so many good sequels coming out like diablo 4 you know well diablo 4 like yeah resident evil 4 remake street fighter 6 sequel jedi survivor um I don't know much if I played any original games, and the only original game that I'm aware of is Hogwarts Legacy, which everyone lost their shit about. Like Elden Ring's level lost their shit about because I remember it came out. There were hacks, and people were like, "I got the Killing Curse, and this is how you do. (laughs) This is how you can transform into an animal, and all this stuff." And people like, and I get the IP and the fandom, right? Right, Um, and and Hogwarts Legacy is going, you know, is going to make game news of the year, right? Because there was this whole boycott and then it just kind of showed, like the success of the game just sort of demonstrated the, the, utility of that boycott i'll Can you separate the uh, artist from the person i mean that whole yeah, conversation it, it, you know. the, the perennial you know the perennial or existential question i played hogwarts legacy because i'm a fan of the ip i played it on the quiet i didn't support or review it um what did like, you publicly. think of that? game of the year nominee? <clears throat> I- Hell no. I mean, like, Hogwarts Legacy is not a great game, and anyone who says otherwise is, like, batshit crazy, and they haven't played enough. Um, Hogwarts Legacy is fine. The story is fine. The the customizability of, like, this large open world is fine. The openness of the world is fine. What it is, is a lot of the Wizarding World IP, and you can can cast spells, and, and it's fun. I wonder that about they Star were, Wars, like yeah. Jedi Survivor. It is the Star Wars fandom, but it's also a new story that takes place kind of after six, but before, um, well, after three, yeah. but before four now, right? I My criteria is kind of this. Um, I only have two criteria, and I, this is, I guess the last thing I want to say about it is if I keep playing the game, meaning I don't actually put it down, that it's enjoyable and I play it and I want to play it. That's the best criteria for me. The second one is, did I cry? Those are my two <laughs> video game criteria. I cried. Like is that narratively powerful? Yeah, I cried during Stray. When that poor cat at the end, it's just really, it's, it's yeah. good. And then I cried at Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It is a beautiful game. But I also cried at Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Final Fantasy 16. Amazing stories, like really good. Final Fantasy 16 is so guttural and raw mm-hmm. and um, blunt. It reminds me more like of Walking Dead than it does of the Final Fantasy genre because how they're punching and the tragedy and then just, and that's you keep going and that kind of feel. Awesome. So I don't know, um, but I would say I would say of everything I've played so far, to me, it's going to come yeah. down between Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Legend of the Zelda Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and I, if I had to vote now, I would say Tears of the Kingdom, not because of the hype, yeah. but uh, because it's good. It's really good. 
So the game that came out this year, I guess, other than Outlast Trials that like I played a lot, I played a ton of like Sons of the Forest, but that was so buggy. I can't, I can't recommend that. Like, like I played That's it. That's a winning. pretty popular game that came out. I know some people who play it. I see a bunch on a Twitch. I, I, en- I enjoyed building a fortress and then it, and then I got tired of it after about like 15 hours, 20 hours. Um, and then um, I know they have a ton of updates um, and I'm kind of done. So this is sort of for me, it's the bane of early access. Like I played it too early. I got my feel. I'm done. Maybe it's a whole, whole lot better. But until then, like, you know, did I care about the story? No. Like, did the bugs irritate me? Yeah. The last grenade I'm going to roll in under the door right before it closes, like right in the crack. And I hope it does because I played the first one and it is amazing. What comes out in October is Spider-Man 2. And Spider-Man 1 game of the year. The Miles Morales, it's amazing. It's it's super hot right now. And I did see like at um, Comic-Con, they just did another trailer drop. I don't know if you played Spider-Man, um, the one that came. Spider-Man, yeah. It was well, yeah, just, so just recently. It, yeah. And so Spider-Man 2 drops in October, and part of me secretly hopes that it kicks everyone's ass, you know? Well, that's what happened with, uh, like, I mean, I don't know, like, with the, with the movie that came out, I, I, I want more Spider-Man. I want more Spider-Verse, maybe, than I want, like, Spider-Man or whatever, but, like, the IP is refreshed for me because of the movie. Thank you for listening and connecting with Design Thinking Games on TikTok, Twitch, and Twitter. You can also check out designthinkinggames.com to request topics, ask questions, or see what else is going on. Until next time, game on. Any final thoughts for our listeners, Rapid Protobot? Destroy. Destroy.